we are a proud member of the 143 Podcast Network. Enjoy the show. Paul and Michael occasionally save the world. Paul and Michael occasionally save the world. Paul and Michael occasionally save the world. Occasionally. All right, everybody. Last month, we brought you three new episodes of Paul and Michael Occasionally Save the World, or as you might have found it on iTunes, Save the World, because we didn't think about changing our name to make it shorter, to make it easier to type in, would also make it the same name as everybody. a few other podcasts. <laughs> about, about, <laughs> so, about 50 other podcasts have that name. So if you're listening to us, uh, you probably... If you're listening to us, you were probably searching for somebody else, and uh, we're you know. we're sorry. <laughs> you must have got us because we have more downloads. I don't know, mm. but uh, af- after bringing you a rousing three episodes last month, which is uh, uh, an increase in production for us, we're going to bring you a special 100% all about hey episode <laughs> this month. Oh, hey, my my. Blessing in my curse. <laughs> I don't really think anybody wants to hear about that. But that's part of the reason we haven't been able to record because springtime works pick up, picks up for me and, uh, long crazy days. And the weird thing is you got to cut the hay. You rake the hay to make it two rows into one. So it's more going into the baler than you bale the hay. And the thing is about it, and I don't know if this is like when you're like guys that do like, driving a truck all day like a semi down the road and delivering things but for me at the end of the day after riding for say 11 hours you're getting thrown around rough fields it throws you up and down sideways you're always having to make sure you turn you try not to hit things and when i get home i tell my wife it's like i feel like i'm still moving and my head you have that loud noise of this big engine going all the time. I mean, I listen to audiobooks and podcasts and stuff during the day and music sometimes. But there's always just this, it's this weird draining effect that it has on me that when I get home, it takes me sometimes an hour to feel like myself after, after being doing that all day. But so yeah, I've been really busy. It's not really, uh, uh, made it to where we could, uh, record. Uh, my, I'm brain fried usually. I'm brain fried today after being in all day. So, <laughs> so hopefully I will, uh, make some coherent statements. <laughs> so before we get to listener questions on this all hay episode, uh, uh, I, I understand what you mean about the two points you just said too. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anybody's driven on the freeway or a highway or whatever for long periods of time, mm-hmm. When you get, you know, stop for a while, like that's what you feel like. I mean, I can't imagine doing that as long as you're saying, and I know what it's like to, to a very small extent, riding on rough terrain mm-hmm. uh, on a vehicle that is not made to make it comfortable for you. Just mowing my lawn is tiring. Oh, that yeah. takes like maybe a couple hours on a, on a little, you know, riding tractor. Um, and to your other point about the noise, um, I know about that from 
work too. Uh, in, in the back, if I'm in the back room doing, you know, uh, administrative work and that sort of stuff, we have so much equipment with refrigerators and freezers and the ice machine and stuff. The noise will make me want to go insane. Yeah. Just yeah. gets into your head after a while. Mm-hmm. So I, I can definitely understand both of those points. So, um, on, on to our first question. Oh, questions, so, huh? Okay. Question number one is hay indeed for horses? Hay is for horses and cows and goats and sheep and is hay- I guess uh, <laughs> whatever eats eats anything that eats grass. I guess deer and hogs. Wild hogs love hay, especially wheat hay, because they like to get into where you store it and tear them apart, which means every time they do that, you lose about $70 for a bale. So, yes. My, my, my son... Uh- his favorite response when we do something he doesn't want us to do is to go, hey! <laughs> so our static response is, hey, is for horses. Hey, is for horses. And yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he used to get mad, but now he responds back with, hey, is for sheep. <laughs> well, I verified it for him. He's correct. You have a, you have a <laughs> he's very ta- smart. He's taken it and owned it. Very smart young man. He, he Maybe he's destined to come work with me when he gets older. Uh, let's hope he's destined for better things than <laughs> what either you or I do for a living. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. This is not necessarily what I want to do, but it's what I need to be doing for uh, various reasons. But uh, yeah, yeah. So that that's all right. Well, that wraps up the hay episode. Uh, uh, this has been a great discussion. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Come back next week when we learn about uh, something else. That's See, <laughs> see you in June. Yeah. That's all it's up to say. Uh, uh, so I actually, um, I, I have something new in my life. Uh, I guess it technically hasn't quite started yet, but this kind of just all fell into place randomly. Uh, I went to uh, a function for my my work, and uh, I, I rode with another couple of managers there and back. And I I happen to be close to both of these managers. I trained one. The other one I hired uh, as an entry level job. And so I mean, they worked for me from the ground up. Oh yeah. Um, I didn't do any of their development, but I've known them since they started. So I know them both well, and they actually work with each other now. One is the other's assistant manager. Um, so you know the circle of life there. But so we were driving and we were talking, and first me and and one of them was talking about sports. Mm-hmm. Um and. She, you know, she likes sports. She's, uh, from Wisconsin, Packers fan. We played fantasy football together, yada, yada. Um, the other one couldn't care less about sports. So finally we, uh, well, Christy asked Bailey if she liked any sports and Bailey was pretty much like, nope. So I started steering the conversation on to books. Uh, I forget exactly how, but so we started getting talking about books some. Mm-hmm. We decided, uh, spur of the moment to start a book club. Oh, cool. So we're actually going to start our own book club. Just because, uh, Christy used to work for Barnes Noble and she misses that, like, really talking about books with people every day. Um, I don't really have anybody to talk about books with aside from you. And obviously we know that we're not exactly getting together on a very, very frequent basis. So, um, yeah, so it just kind of came up and, uh, she recommended a book to me actually. And, uh, I was stupid enough not to bring it over here with me. So, uh, give me a second. I'll go grab it, tell you what it is. Okay. I also worked at Barnes & Noble, now that Paul's away, and I loved it and grew to hate it after a while But when I became a manager and had to deal with all the frustrating things that don't involve books. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, retail is great, 
to a point and books are great. And then you deal so with the people. Books are, <laughs> then you deal with the people. And my, well, I was just filling in the gap there while you're standing up. I used to work for Barnes Noble. And I loved it. I, I was listening to you. My, oh, my headset went with me. Oh, there. okay. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. okay. Yeah, I forget how we do this setup now. And I, I, I loved it. I loved, it's like she was talking about, told you, I loved talking to people that loved books. Because that's why mm. I went into that job. I was like, and I, and, but the thing is, don't do your job so well you get promoted quickly. Because as you know, being a manager of your job, B, when you get promoted, you have to start dealing with all the different kinds of things that aren't necessarily why you went into it. Um, especially if, like, for me, I love books and talking to people about books and selling books and all that kind of thing. Just the, the, the biggest headache for me was the theft, having to, like, the loss prevention aspect of it. It became a huge headache and the confrontations you would have with people and what you can and can't do and, that's one of the reasons, that's one of the things that kind of drove me out of it over time is just I couldn't handle it anymore because it, it stopped being fun. But a year started yeah. a book club. Yeah, so the book that, uh, so this was recommended to me when we were just kind of chatting. Um, and I was telling, telling Christy that I always have a really hard time knowing how to, how to find a new book that I'll like because popular fiction has certain tendencies that they're kind of similar to, to, TV to a bigger extent, maybe movies to an extent, but because they have to grab the reader right away, like a TV show does, they have to make you like or dislike a character immediately. They take, they, they use really lazy approaches to that because they work. Um, mm-hmm. I was reading, uh, I think I'd mentioned this book before, uh, but if I didn't bear with me, listeners, I know I've probably mentioned it to you otherwise, at least, uh, Justin Cronin's book, The Passage, which I guess yes. was made into a TV show. Um, that was recommended to me by our, our friend Rob Krieger, and he's very excited about it. And I started reading it. I read enough to know that I at least liked it enough to actually like really give it a shot with reading it but i had gotten from the library and i wasn't really in the right place for that time so i I returned it but i picked up a copy but the book starts out with um basically like the first kind of story you get in the book is about a mother who uh she gets pregnant as a teenager a single mom uh you know at home living with her dad Mm -hmm. Uh, everything's okay um, but then it gets, get, gets bad. Her dad dies. Then she ends up in a very abusive relas- relationship. So you have the, uh, domestic abuse being utilized to make you feel, uh, sympathetic for the character. Um, and she ends up basically prostituting herself to provide for her daughter as like her life just continues to go downhill. And yeah, all this is yeah. done for a purpose to, um, build up like kind of the backstory of the daughter who's the character that actually ends up being important because the mom's gone pretty quickly, but hmm. just like it, it felt really cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I don't like that. Like, I don't like, uh, like in comics, there's the, you know, the, the trope of like the dead, refri- uh, dead girlfriend in the refrigerator, which I think is like final crisis. I can't remember what book it was that did that, but that became kind of a, you know, it was, I don't know. It's it, it's not something that that I like, and I don't think that was looked very well upon. Like taking something really cheap to be a motivation for other characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I've always had a tr- trouble with popular fiction for that reason because 
that's a, a good chunk of the beginning of the book is using easy, lazy things to build the characters. Yeah. Um, so it's, I, I don't really know with newer books how to tell the popular books that you're going to do stuff like that from books that are the things that are going to be looked at as, as, you know, classic literature down the road that is, you know, a different level of quality. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, and I also want to say, like, with all the things I just said about what popular fiction uses, like, I've read popular books that I liked. I've also, I I don't love TV and watch a ton of it, you know, like TV shows, but I like TV shows. There's plenty of TV shows, the same thing. Like, I started watching and there were things that made me, like, ugh, you know, roll my eyes at them. <laughs> but uh, once you get past that, like, there are a lot of great TV shows that I really enjoyed that, you know... Is TV. They got to start out that way. They got to do things to draw you in. Yeah. Uh, so that way you have reason to stick around. Um, so anyways, like I was, I was talking to her and telling her that, you know, I, I have this dilemma where I, I don't really know how to find books other than classic literature. That's like time tested. And that's not the only thing that I want to read, you know, especially kind of getting back into reading now. Um, you know, it's like, I can, you know, I'm thinking about classic literature where some of it can be tougher to read. Um, I don't, you know, <sighs> I feel really drawn to read the stuff I've already read before because it's been long enough that I could reread it without feeling like I'm wasting my time. Mm-hmm. But I want new exposure. So, I, you know, we were talking. I was telling her about the books that that I liked that were relatively more recent, even though these are still going back a, a decent chunk of time now. And uh, I feel old thinking about some of these books that feel like they just came out, and I realize it's been about a decade since I read them. Yeah. Um, so books that I was reading when I was going to school uh, before I took this hiatus from school that I'm on to move to Maine and start a family. Um, books like uh, the brief un- uh, the, the brief wondrous life of Oscar Wilde by uh, Juno Diaz. Um, See, I've always curious instant. I've always mm-hmm. wanted to read that one. Yeah. I read it in for a class. I enjoyed it, but it was also, like I said, it was about a decade ago. Uh, my friend that I'm talking about distinctly did not like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm like, oh, maybe we should read that one again sometime so we could talk about it. See if I like it as much as I used to and whatnot. Um, but I'd read that one. The Life of Pi stood out. The Curious Instant of the Dog in the Nighttime mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, was one that stood out to me. There were a few others I was able to mention. Um, and she asked, you know, what, uh, what's kind of like my, the main thing I look for in a book. And I always find that kind of hard to answer because I always look for variety in, in stuff anyways. Like I want to be exposed to a lot of different stuff because that's kind of how you get breadth and growth. That is, that, um, that is, but, a, that is a very difficult question because sometimes you're not yeah. necessarily in the mood for one thing or the other. Exactly. And the people that like can, easily say one thing they they know their niche and they can stick to it like you know people who like uh you know sci-fi books mm-hmm. well it's really that, that narrows it down quite a bit it's really easy to just go pick a sci-fi book and you're probably going to like it because um you know it's kind of like if you uh if you love spider-man yeah okay well you just you go pick a spider-man book and even if it's a, a mediocre spider-man book you're going to like it more than most people because you just like spider-man and want some spider-man you know true um, so w- when you have that niche that you know is your niche, it's, it's easier because you know kind of what to pick out of. And that's what I'm trying to break out of is my niche, which my niche is like a decade old and I haven't read as much in a decade as I had before. Um, and my niche back then was freaking classic literature for the most part, uh, which, 
you know, I don't want to just sit around reading like Moby Dick and uh, Don Quixote or something like that now. So, right. <laughs> so, anyways, I we you know we're, we talk it out. So I tell her characters probably if I had to pick something like I, I like books that develop the characters well. Mm-hmm. And so she recommended this book by Michael Chabon called The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. Yes. I had a feeling you might know something about this one. Um, so uh, let me let me read a little bit of the description uh, because I, I love that she kind of tied it into this because obviously this book isn't like just uh, a book that's paying lip service to, to comics or like, it, you know, it's like it's not – you know, taking advantage of comics to sell itself, but it ties into comics actually. Right. So, uh, this is the description on the back. A towering swashbuckling thrill of a book held as Chabon's magnum opus. The amazing adventures of Cavalier and Clay is a triumph of originality, imagination, and storytelling in New York city, 1939, a young escape artist named Joe Cavalier arrives on the doorstep of his cousin, Sammy Clay. America is happily in the thrall uh, happily enthralled to the golden age of comic books. And in a distant corner of Brooklyn, Sammy is looking for a way to cash in on the craze and so on. Like, I don't read the whole thing there. Right, right. Um, yeah, so I mean, she, uh, she threw this out there and it had like, you know, has that loose tie into comic books, which I have no idea how much that, that really builds into the story, but, um, yeah, just like I looked it up while she's talking about it. It's a Pulitzer Prize winner, mm-hmm. um, which we actually then talked about how she, for a period, she read this book and realized she really liked it. So she said, oh, I'm going to read all the Pulitzer Prize books I can. And she kept reading Pulitzer Prize books and hating them. And then she realized, oh, maybe I shouldn't read all the Pulitzer Prize yeah. books. Uh, but yeah, so anyways, this is actually going to be our first uh, uh, read for my new book club that we just started because she said, hey, why don't you pick it? And I said, hey, I just bought this book that you recommended me, so now you're going to read it again. So yeah, the three of us are going to read this book, and uh, I'm I'm excited about it, not just for the book, but just to have that uh, a new kind of outlet in my life, a new thing to do and look forward to, a new way to connect with people. So that's uh that's one a, of the new things in my life. I gotta say that's uh, that's an excellent choice. One comics. I don't, I'm not going to spoil anything about it. It is very and Michael Chabon. I first learned from him from I don't know if you remember the movie with had Toby Maguire and uh, oh God, what's his name? Is it Michael Douglas? Spider Man. It was uh, <laughs> about the same time, actually. It's it a very similar in time. It's uh, the Wonder Boys. Wonder Boys is the name of it. He, oh, yeah. I watched the movie. I liked the movie. Love the movie. It's one of those movies way back when I was single, and I would get home from work, and I just wanted to just relax. I, w- I would watch the movie over and over. And I read the book by that guy, and I read several other books, and then Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay came out, and I read it, and it is very much tied into the... I guess the birth of modern comics. Uh, it's also very tied into the culture of, of that time, uh, that when that was happening. And it's a great book. He's a great writer. I recently saw an interview with him. Uh, he was on a, he was on a show about creativity and he's talking about things that he, that inspired him and kept him going. Um, he, he is a, he's a good writer. I, th- I think you'll really enjoy it. And I, the funny thing is after seeing the interview, I've been thinking about jumping back in. So I might kind of tag along as a fourth person in your book club, just reading at the same time. That way 
kind of refresh my memory of it because I really, really did enjoy it. It's a definitely. It's a good book. Yeah, and actually, I I hadn't thought of one. I mean, I saw Wonder Boys years and years ago, and haven't thought about it in forever. I couldn't tell you a ton about it except I specifically remember liking the movie quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And knowing that he writes, it definitely gives me faith in this book. And it also, I have a feeling that I'll end up picking up that book not too far down the road to read after this one. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I'd ask you what's new in your life, but I know that all that's new in your life is hay. There's, there's a lot of hay on the ground in the in the hay baler, getting things breaking. But uh, <laughs> um, actually, talking about books, and you know, you don't know how you respond to books later in life. Like like you read a book ten years ago, and you're curious about if you would like it again as much as you did before. And we both have a we've talked about this before. Uh, about how we both love Gabriel Garcia Marquez's book, 100 Years of Solitude. Yep. A while back, well, this is kind of like, this can bring up two different t- talking points. One of them is Netflix, uh, announced that they were gonna, going to adapt it for, I guess you'd call it television, um, as a series. And that spurred me into, like, I should go revisit that book. Because it's probably been like 10 years, 15 years since I read it. And I remember it made a huge impact on me. I couldn't remember everything about it. But I did remember that it, it was a very powerful book. And it's one of my, if I ever, somebody ever asked me, what's your favorite book? I'd say it's that or maybe two or three others I could think of on top of my head. So I restarted it. I started rereading it. And I also, that's when I started getting really busy at work. And I also got the, I got it on a, as a deal, a big sale on Audible. So I was doing both. I was reading and listening. And, you know, beginning the book starts and I'm like, yeah, this is good, but this doesn't really strike me as the best book I've ever read. My, but by the end of it, it just, it, it had me kind of speechless. Uh, it floored me. I think I texted you that day that the day that I finished it. It begins as a dream and ends as a nightmare in a way. Um, the easy way that he flows from one character to another character. And it's a story about a family in a small town in Columbia through a long period of history, a hundred years of solitude. And every character is experienced, even though they're surrounded by family, they're experienced their experiencing their own kind of solitude and you know it's classified as magical realism he's like given the title of like the the founder of that school of writing the magical realist kind of thing um because he'll be writing about really normal day-to-day life things and then something really amazing will happen uh not to spoil a 40 something year old book but uh, there's like a scene where there's this lady, um, she's called Remedios the beauty and everybody adores her. Men want to get close to her and they, they always end up dying. The ones that get closest to her die every time, the closer they get that something befalls them that leads to their death. And, but she doesn't care about anything. And everybody thinks like, you're this beautiful lady. Why you, you could have the whole world is at your fingertips, you know, everything you want. Everybody wants to give it to you. And she just like, she didn't care. She didn't care about how she looked. She didn't care about what she wore. She didn't care about any of the things normal people did. She just was just happy being whatever. And 
there's a scene where she's they're doing the laundry, folding like sheets, and all of a sudden she just starts floating up in the air and floats up into the sky and I, I guess to heaven. It's almost like she was like a a, a Buddha living in this small village of Columbia. And this is just, she's like a minor character, really. She takes up a big chunk, kind of, but she's not really the the main people. Um, it's just a really great book. And by the end of it, when I we got to the part that I call the nightmare part, it's just so good. And the way that it tied in to a certain character that's at the very beginning, Melchiedes, the gypsy, that's at the beginning. He's always there in the book, even after he's dead. Um, just, just good. And it's like, do I really, will I watch this if it comes out on Netflix? And I kind of think I, it's one of those things. I'm not necessarily sure that I want to watch it. Yeah, I can, I can understand that. It's been, it's been a little while since I've read it, but I believe I've read that book three times, which is definitely the most I've ever read a book. Um, anything else would be twice at most. And there aren't many books that I've, I've read twice. Um, there are several books I've tried reading again too that I just read a little bit. I was like, I don't really feel like reading this again. Um, I tend to retain a lot when I read something. Uh, so I don't get the same thing out of, rereading that some people do yeah, but um yeah. one of the things so it's funny because 100 years of solitude is one of my favorite books and that's another one that my friend christy uh does not like and uh i was kind of like oh you're crazy with that like we need to read and discuss that one so that way you can uh yeah i can share my viewpoint but then i can also hear your viewpoint on it um one of the things about the book like first of all, I love the uh, the kind of mysticism mixed with reality, mm-hmm. uh, and the the boundaries are blurred. So, um, you know, there's you don't you don't really know a hundred percent what's real and what's not yeah. throughout the book. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, like you you mentioned that Remedios the beauty is a minor character. Essentially, the the major characters are just kind of like the thread that ties everything together. Yes. And the characters, you know, in most books, it's like the, there's a story and the characters are like the, the threads that weave in and make the tapestry of the story. Uh-huh. And this book is more like the, the characters are the stories that are the branches of this tree. It's just, it's, it's not the same thing. As most books that like have, you know, that develop characters. Mm -hmm. Like this is, you develop these different characters and it's like they have this offshoot and then it ends. And then this one shoots off this way and it ends. They're not interweaving. They're not coming back together as much, but you have that central, you know, these central threads that are like the, the trunk of the tree Mm -hmm. that are the, the commonality between all these characters. So it's a different way to tell a story. And it, um, I, as I said, it's been a while since I've read it, uh, but it just is enthralling to me. Like I, I remember very distinctly reading that book for the second time and really doubting if I was going to feel the same way. Cause most mm-hmm. often, like I read a book a second time and I don't feel the same yeah. way because nothing is fresh and new. There's no surprises. You, you know, what's coming. And that one I, I read a second time and felt just as amazed. 
yeah. It's the thing about this, like he will tell be telling a story about one character and he'll go on for a big chunk of a chapter and in it, he will drop a line about, this is about the time that this happened to somebody. And it was, it's like, doesn't sound like a very big deal. Later on, he'll pick up that thread and pull it and go into that story. And somehow that will lead to another story about somebody else. Yeah, it really is. It's almost like Bible stories. It really is. I, I got really into him. Oh God, it was back. Oh, it, early 2000s is when I really got heavily into Marquette, Gar- Garcia Marquez. And, uh, so I, I, I'm obsessive and I like to learn about things, about the people that create things. And, you know, a lot of when he started it, I mean, he was a journalist and he pretty much, um, he was living in Mexico at the time. He'd left Colombia and he started writing. He just started writing this book. He pretty much quit his job and what they were living off of nothing. And he started writing it. And a lot of it was based on stories he told, he heard growing up. And you know how, like folklore, when you hear stories being passed down from great grandmother or great grandmother or whatever, you know, there's always kind of a, it's, you know, you know, I could tell you a story about what happened to me yesterday, but when it's so far in the past, somebody that it kind of takes on another worldly kind of, way to it like i said like with folklore and things like that so he kind of started basing it on that kind of thing and then he just kind of just kept going you know smoking smoking like four packs of cigarettes a day and just typing 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 um it really was a big a big deal i mean he won the nobel for it and then you know had a great career after that i mean he died he died in the last i'd say God, it was like 2006 or seven, I think. And he was in the middle of writing his memoirs, but he had started also having like, uh, he started getting dementia after the first volume of his memoirs came out. So we never got the second volume. And that's one of those things that maybe the notes are out there and that might come out someday, but yeah, it's hard. The thing is, it's hard to find. You can't get it on Kindle. You have to get it in physical copy, and I was really happy to see that it actually had an auto, audio book for it too. Yeah, that's a that's a special book. Definitely. Well, let's get off of literature a little bit. Uh, I have something else that I know you'll be interested to discuss a bit. Uh, I so I got Directv now. Yeah. For a bit to be able to watch, uh, the, the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, a, not just the Stanley Cup itself, actually, but the, the Eastern Conference finals and whatever other hockey I could get, basically. I haven't watched hockey very much in several years because I haven't had cable and neither the Bruins nor the Kings have been serious contenders. So I didn't go out of my way to try to, uh, watch them in the playoffs. Uh, but this year the Bruins were quite clearly headed towards the Eastern Conference Finals. So I decided, hey, I haven't watched hockey in a long time. And on top of that, basketball was kind of interesting to me. Although I haven't watched very much basketball because it has, um, failed to live up to the things I was hoping to see in it. So I, uh, have been like, okay, well, if this happens, I'll watch this game. And then that thing doesn't happen. And I don't know. Hopefully, I'll watch some of the NBA Finals, uh, in, unless Golden State just goes in and, uh, 
decides to make it boring. Anyways, <laughs> that's beside the point. So, but that's why I got DirecTV Now was to do that. But the thing is, DirecTV Now now includes uh, HBO as a default part of its programming. And with that, you can download HBO Go, and you can have access to a lot of wonderful things, including the entirety of Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Dun, dun, dun. Which just ended. Now, I... Yeah, I, I didn't. So everybody else is talking about it, talking about the ending, and I'm sitting here talking about the beginning. Um, so I, I had previously watched the first four seasons of Game of Thrones. Yep. And I had stopped watching it because the way I would watch it is I would buy it on Blu-ray when it came out. Like, as soon as it came out, because it would always be on sale. Yeah. So it would be like yeah. 30 or 35 bucks for a season. And I could watch it all, and then I could go trade it in at Bull Moose Music, a store that's uh, a chain in Maine, and uh, get pretty much everything I spent back for it and store credit and then just use that to get something else. So it was kind of like, you know, I could watch it, and then I was able to kind of double it down into something else to enjoy, you know, probably get comics or whatever. Yeah. So, uh but the problem was, is I would have to stay up really late to watch it because I had, uh, you know, a very young child at home and, um, my wife, I, I couldn't watch around my wife. She had no interest in it. It's not even something that I could watch around her. So I'd have to stay up past her. And at that time she was not going to bed early. So I was staying up until a minimum of one or two in the morning to watch even an episode. Yeah. And when I was watching season four, there were some really rewarding things that happened in season four. Um, I guess I could probably talk about them because anybody listening to this really shouldn't be complaining about spoilers. Yeah, right? you can't really spoil something now. Ago. Yeah, you're good. And I, I can't talk about anything past season four because I haven't seen it yet. Right. So, but in season four, Joffrey gets killed. Um, yeah. The Lannister's dad, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Tywin. Uh, he gets, Tywin? Yeah. He gets killed by, is it Tyrion? Tyrion, yes. Yeah. So he gets killed by Tyrion, which is, was awesome. So like, those were the two like big rewarding things. These characters that you just grew to hate and you finally yeah. get to see them get theirs. Uh, but there was another scene in one of the episodes and it's when, uh, Tyrion has his champion that's fighting against the mountain. Yeah. And how that fight ends. It's really bad. I watched that. Yeah. I was going to go to sleep after that and I watched that. I just, I couldn't. I actually watched another episode of Game of Thrones after it because it's like, what else was I going to do? I was like, I can't go to bed on that note. And I think that episode I watched before I went to bed was the one where Tyrion killed Tywin. So, um, but at that point, I was just like, I mean, there were a lot of things I enjoyed about the show, but ultimately the show was like r- really negative, pretty harsh, mm-hmm. and I had to stay up so late to watch it, and it was just so difficult to watch it that I just said, you know what, it's it's not worth it for me. So I, I stopped watching it and didn't keep up with it. And the last maybe year or so, I've been kind of, you know, kind of tempted to. I knew it was coming to an end. Um, and I, I think that when something is ended and you know, you're going to like it, like it's a lot easier to get into it in a way then because you know, it's all there for you. So you can just keep going and going and going until you get to the end of it and then you're done. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I'd kind of had it on my radar. I knew it was coming to a close and then this just kind of coincided with all of that. And I decided to start watching it again. 
and uh a friend of our family's um is also into Game of Thrones and she kind of did the same thing. She watched quite a few seasons and then flagged off and uh she wanted to get back into it and finish it. She also has HBO or no, I'm sorry, DirecTV now. Her husband uh who's uh, my good friend is the one who told me about DirecTV now cuz that's how he goes about watching sports. Uh-huh. Um and now it includes HBO. So she she's doing the same thing. She started watching it from the beginning. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'll start from the beginning again instead of starting from season five. So right now I'm on episode, like, five or six, probably, something like that. Um, I know that uh, – is it Viserys, uh, Danny's brother that uh, doesn't last very long? Yes. Viserys or Viserys, he, something like that, yeah. Yeah, he just got his, I think, in the last episode that I watched. Got the uh, golden crown poured on his head. So um, – but starting it off, it was funny because like I started the first episode, I'm watching a little bit, and obviously like it's it's a sl- like the first episode is pretty much the only one that's a little bit slowish because you're just getting introduced to the characters uh-huh. and nothing too exciting happens in the first episode really. Uh, but like I know the horrible things that some of these characters do, particularly at the beginning. Joffrey is the one that I'm just like I can hardly st- stomach to even watch him on screen. Yeah. Because I just know what a, a conniving, sniveling, disgusting, just a little miscreant this bastard is. Just terrible. And uh, he's he's just all kinds of terrible. And as he gains power, as the show goes on, like he's you know he's like a kid that you know will, you know pick the wings off a fly, but then he's not held in check and has power, and then the next thing you know, he's you know like. Shoving a firecracker up cat's butt or something like he's, that, you he, know. He's the epitome of entitlement. Mm, yeah, he, he just he gets worse and worse. That's where season four, at least, he finally gets his. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm watching and I'm it's like trying to watch that first episode. I'm sitting thinking like, I don't know if I could do this. I don't know if I can watch through all of the awful things again. The things that just make you hate the characters. Once I got rolling, though, I realized there was a lot more good and more exciting parts in between. It wasn't just yeah. all yeah. awful, you know? Yeah, see, that's... I, I had a similar experience to you. Uh, and I watched... We watched... My wife is probably a bigger fan than I was of it. We both read the, all the books that have been released after... After... I think we jumped on to reading the books after we watched, like, the second... We, we started late. I think it was the second or third season was coming out when we decided... No, the third season was coming out and we got the first um season at a really good deal and watched it and then we started the second season we got it we ran to get it after we finished the first season and then ever since then we just kept up with it and then we read the books and then we noticed that the books don't necessarily follow along exactly which that's fine because you, there's no way you can put a George R. R. Martin book on it, it'd take 30 years to tell the entire story the way he writes it but there are lots of things in it that I just I didn't like, I felt uncomfortable with, didn't like it, but it, the things that I, that hooked me are the characters. There are certain characters that you are just pulling for so much for me personally that I just loved. And, uh, you know, like you just want them, you want them to succeed. Please, please, please let them succeed. And, uh, that's what drove me through the, all eight seasons to finish it. Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything for anybody, um, especially for you. Uh, but 
there was a huge outcry at the very end, but I don't really think that's necessarily, I think it's a, it's a reflection of the internet. Everybody has a voice mm-hmm. and, and the, we've talked about the trolls and they're usually the ones you hear the loudest. Cause you know, I, I love the ending. I know it has thing, there are flaws with, with the last season, but you know, I just love the story. Um, everything didn't work out necessarily the way I wanted to, but at the same time, it's like, it's a story that's being told. Um, if you want a better story, go make one yourself. If you're not engaged enough to keep up with it, that's fine. Just drop it. That's my feeling on it. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, there's obviously been a lot of talk around that, uh, with, you know, silly things like that petition coming out and that's not the only thing that has happened with it's happened with star wars and it's ha- like all these big things um yeah i've seen people say stuff like uh even though they know nothing is going to happen from it that it's making a big statement um to the you know the creators of these things that you know people don't like this or whatever you know what it's is it really making a big statement? Because the, just because X amount of people signed the petition or whatever, how many people enjoyed it and they're not signing a position, a petition saying that they enjoyed it? You know, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's pretty ridiculous to me that, that people even have like the faintest thought that like, oh, we should just say that this should be redone. Yeah. Like that would even mean anything, that's, you know? It's silly. It's childish. It's entitled. It's the entitled my opinion is right and it kind of makes me sick there was a good article i'm trying to look and find it right now that was written about how fan culture ruined game of thrones the way and it's kind of is a way we look at all things you mentioned star wars oh last jedi came out and everybody oh we need to just it needs to be a race and another movie needs to be made please do that and all these people are saying that there, it ties into the idea that culture used to be something separate. Art, books, movies, it used to be this, uh, this entity that you're just supposed to watch and appreciate or not appreciate and don't like it. But it's been tied into this, the notion of, uh, what does the guy say? It's something about how capitalism, uh, the idea is that we invest our time and money in something. Therefore, what we want should be provided for us. Does that make sense? There, I, I, I have watched this show for eight years. I have spent money buying the DVDs. I've bought the books. I want it to be the way I want it to be, the way I envision it ending. You know, I was guilty. My wife was guilty. We were always, we were speculating. How's it going to end? How's it going to end? What's, what do I want to have happen? You know, and I would say, I want this, this, and this to happen. And my wife would say, I want this, this, and this to happen. And my cousin Dave would say, I want this to happen. And none of us really got what we wanted. And if we were the kind of people that were kind of subscribing to this, entitlement that we own this and that it's owed to us to get what we want we would be extremely unhappy i was very happy with the story that ended up being told you know that came out in the in the news about the big i don't know if you saw this or not it's not a spoiler there's a scene where there's a starbucks cup on a table and it's like you know what (laughs) whatever 
that's uh, the point where people are trying to find flaws to pick apart. Like, like there isn't that crap all over the place in movies and TV shows. It happens. It happens. And those people work for 11, I read about, they work for 11 months shooting constantly. They shot like 50, 60 nights late at night on the final season. And they work their butts off. And you know, you get, it, flaws are going to happen in everything. It's like I said, there's all, you can go on the internet and search for all kinds of things. Like oh, somebody has a cell phone in a showing and a, or a wristwatch that should, didn't, shouldn't have existed at the time period the show was made or things like that. I didn't even notice yeah. it. I rewatched the episode that this happened in and I still couldn't t- tell or care because I wasn't paying attention to what was sitting on a, damn table i was watching what the story was unfolding yeah people infuriate me but i'm glad i'm glad you're i'm glad you're watching it i hope you you know if if you stick with it good if you don't good you just do what you want to do but like i said most likely i'm going to stick it through uh it may depend more on if i continue doing uh the uh, direct tv now thing long enough to watch it all um, I don't know exactly how much I have left on this first month. I may, I may go ahead and do one more month of it to try to get this all in. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the whole thing about this, uh, entitlement with stuff. Um, have you ever seen Sons of Anarchy? Yeah. So I, I watched Sons of Anarchy and I was watching on Netflix and by the time I started watching it, I didn't have to wait real long for the final seasons to come out and be able to wrap it up. Um, and when I got to that next to last season, you know, it's like that show is one of the, it just like everything is getting worse and worse and worse as the show goes on. Definitely. Um, so, I mean, like the, it gets to the point where everything is just feeling pretty miserable. And that next to last season, all I wanted was for, uh, for the mom, you know, the, the, the doctor mm-hmm. to get her kids out of there. Like that's all I wanted. Like she was starting to, you know, to be a nasty character herself because she was, she was, doing anything she had to do to try to protect her family and get them away. Yeah. And I just wanted them to get away. And then that next, next last, uh, season, she gets killed by Gemma. Yeah. Yeah. And I, at that point, I was like, I am done. Mm-hmm. All I want out of the last season is for everybody to die. Yeah. And so, I mean, I was pretty pissed off that she died because that, the, the whole thing I went out of the show was, you know, the, the little bit of innocence to get out of there. I want to see these two little boys that are still innocent get out of there and have their mom at least. Yeah. And I didn't get that, but I watched the last season open minded to see what would, uh, you know, what it would bring. And sure enough, everybody died. Yeah. <laughs> everybody died. Um, it, it the only people who ended up surviving were, it was, um, the one boy's biological mom who was, you know, like a dirt ball, you know, former drug addict at yeah. the beginning of the series. And then she was trying to, to fix herself. And then, uh, the one guy, uh, played by Jimmy Smith that, um, you know, he was in the game, but was trying to get out of it. And he finally did because like, what was important to him was his little boy. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh. And so it wasn't quite the ending that I expected, but ultimately, like, everybody got theirs that had it coming, and, you know, I appreciated it. Um, and you just, you can't, you can't appreciate that stuff if you decide what you want it to be, and you're not going to be happy if it's not that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I saw that a lot with, uh, you know, enjoying professional wrestling. You know, my, my cousin Mike got me back into it and, um, some of the other people that we chatted with, it's just like they started, everything was awful because things didn't go how they wanted it to go. And I mean, I, I agreed with a lot of the things that they were frustrated about at times, but they couldn't enjoy what was enjoyable because all they could do was like, you know, well, no, cause this is bad. And so they, all that they could see was the negative and everything. Yeah. And, uh, hey, the whole Game of Thrones reaction, like that's, that's one way that you see it. Another way is just seeing fandom where, um, you know, the fandom just starts to become just awful and negative and, uh, I think in anything, like once, once you get into fandom and it's not just about like enjoying what something is, mm-hmm. um, and it becomes about it being something else, like it, it starts to be the wrong kind of thing. You know, it's kind of like, uh, you can have a sports team where there's a lot of bad characters on the team, but if you're winning, it's fine. Nothing, you know, everything is going fine because winning fixes everything. Mm-hmm. You start losing and all of a sudden, you know, the bad seeds are causing problems and the people who maybe don't have as much skill start underperforming and, you know, and everybody turns sour. That's, that's basically what fandom is like, you know. Very true. Um, I, I was thinking about, I, I haven't like dug into this. And I just no- noticed it today for the first time, but I guess Tom King is leaving Batman. I saw that, yeah. Um, and, you know, that's whatever. He's been on it for a long time. So I, I don't really have anything to say one way or another about that. I read some of the earlier part of the run. I haven't read it in a long time. I thought what I read was fine, whatever. Um, but man, it really made me think about before Tom King started Batman, there were quite a few people I knew that just loved Tom King's the best. Look at the vision. Look at this other stuff that he's done. Like he's just awesome. Look at all these new fresh things he's doing. Uh-huh. And then he gets Batman. They're all excited. Oh, Tom King's going to be on Batman. This is going to be exciting to see. And then they don't like it. And then suddenly it's Tom King is horrible and blah, blah, blah. And I've seen it the other way, too, where there's there's creators and comics where they just bashed him and bashed him and bashed him. And then finally found something that they really liked. And the next thing you know, they love them so much and they're the best. Yeah. Yeah. And like in, in both cases, it's, it's, you're, you're looking for things to only be what you want it to be. And, you know, if, if, if you don't like something, that's fine, but don't like it and move on. And you might find yourself coming across something that you really like that you wouldn't have. Because if all you're going to do is, I don't like this, so everything is awful, you're not going to notice the good stuff that's around, you know? Yeah. Or you're going to be lucky if you do stumble upon it. You know, Back to the the wrestling is the example. I've you know I've been watching wrestling again for quite a few years now since I've been to Maine pretty much. So it's been like eight years now, and there's been times where I I was ready to just stop watching it because I didn't really like what was going on. And I didn't see anything on the horizon that was going to fix it with what was uh, accessible to me, and I'm glad I stuck with it because there's been a lot of really enjoyable things that I've been able to watch. And you know with mm-hmm. wrestling, it's not just the you know like watching a fake sporting event, essentially. It's also the storytelling, you know? I mean, wrestling is like a, a big soap opera, essentially. That's a, that's, a, that's a huge part of it. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I've been able to be part of experiencing some uh, some very amazing moments that the only way you really get to truly experience them is to have gone through all the aspects of it, including all of the parts where 
they're making you hate it so much because they're not giving you what you want. And they're teasing it and then just like smacking it out of your hand. Um, like D- Daniel Bryan winning the championship at, I think it was like WrestleMania 30. It was, um, it was a while ago now. Um, but he, you know, they kept on teasing it and stuff. And, but the thing was, is uh, the reason it built up so much is because they weren't giving it to the fans, but the fans wanted it so much. And the fans kept on supporting yeah, yeah, Daniel yeah. Bryan. And eventually, you know, Daniel Bryan fans got this amazing moment that, if you just were on the cusp and didn't really care and then saw this moment, like, yeah, yeah, you probably would have enjoyed it. But it's like, you know, never watching sports and not caring, but suddenly, you know, you, you watch the, the Super Bowl. Cause, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Pats fan. I'll watch the Super Bowl. And then you, you watch the Super Bowl and they win. You're like, oh, that's great. It's very different than the people that have, you know, watched the Pats for 30 years and had 20 years of misery. And then they've had a decade of, transcendence you know it's yeah, uh yeah but that stuff doesn't happen if you only go like this isn't giving me what i want so i'm done with it to go back to i mean there's a long history of like shows ending and they're not giving you what you wanted that's like i don't know if you watch the sopranos i did not watch yep. i didn't watch through to the end because something happened in my life that i was very busy i didn't get caught up but I remember the reaction to the very last episode where they're sitting in, I think, a diner, the family, Tony and his wife and, I guess, kids. And then it kind of goes to black. And people were so mm-hmm. disappointed with the ending because the guy, the story, the showrunner made a decision. That's how he wanted it to end. Um, Lost is another one that people invested a lot of years watching this trying to they wanted resolution and then like when the last episode came out it was like what the heck <laughs> this is not what i expected this is not what i wanted you know but uh people See, invest and <laughs> in, in shows like that too you you can't have a, a resolution those shows are not built on resolution no you know, like uh, the Sopranos. You think Tony Soprano is ever going to have just a normal life? Like, if there's resolution, like, if the story continued, mm-hmm. there the resolution is going to go away anyways because there's never going to be stability in his life. So the only resolution would be just to kill him because that's the only thing that would be definite. Yeah. And, and, like, I think the way they ended the Sopranos, like, yeah, you're – you know, everybody wants the, the last fireworks. You know, you want the, the big grand finale, but that wouldn't have been right for the Sopranos. No. no. I mean, uh, Sons of Anarchy kind of did that because they killed everybody. Mm-hmm. Like literally everybody, you know? I yeah, mean, yeah. Very few people survive Sons of Anarchy. Uh, I mean, Game of Thrones, I have no idea how it actually ends, but I mean, just four seasons in, they've killed as many people as they can pretty much. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, some some shows can't have just a nice bow put on it. Um, what was the other one? Oh, Lost. I I saw. I didn't watch Lost through the end. My my wife did. It lost me uh, at a certain point uh, because it just it got rough to watch that show. It just got so out there. Um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that whole show was all built on stuff being unknown. So if it ended without you know without a uh, closure. Well, duh, like the whole show was built on you not having closure. 
that's why it got so weird is they didn't know what the hell they were going to do and they had to keep going because it was popular and making money. See, I don't, I do not mind an open ended, ended ending. I don't mind being left with a question because that makes me a part of the story in that I can kind of like, I can envision my own ending or I can think of ways it could have ended. You know, I've read several books that kind of end and it's like, well, wait, what's going to happen? And some people hate that. And I understand that. That's fine. But I, when sometimes it's kind of like the author is giving you permission to make it your own and give you the permission to, you make it what you want to, to make it. You know? Yeah. And I can see like to an extent looking at that as being cheap because, well, I'm, I'm not reading a book or watching a movie or watching a TV show or et cetera for me to have to make the decision. But, you know, I don't know. I, I think it could be used cheaply. Like I was, uh, you know, back to my friends I was talking with, you know, she was talking about how, uh, Stephen King drives her nuts because he can't end a, a story to save his life. <laughs> Funny, funny um, thing. Funny thing is, he tweeted recently. He was talking about Game of Thrones because he's a he's a big fan apparently, and he's like, people are being really harsh on the final season, and uh, he's like, look, I'm not one to talk about endings because apparently I don't know how to write one, but, but I'm really <laughs> enjoying this, or something to that effect. Yeah. So. Uh, Things coming in. I read, uh, I, I messaged you a while back. I, I got caught up. I hadn't been caught up. I listened to some people talking about the end of Exo Mana War run, Matt Kent's Exo Mana War run. And they were just like beating it to death, just kill, hating it. Just, this is ter- And I had to stop listening because I hadn't got caught up yet. So I went and I got caught up and I read the last issue. And my, the effect on me was completely different than theirs. And that's their reaction to us. That's legitimate. They own that. That's theirs. But to me, it was perfect because in a way it was Kent's saying goodbye to the character and goodbye to the Valiant fans that he'd been writing for. Cause he has that talent. He can, he can tell a story. Uh, he's done that with other Valiant books, I think near the end he'll be telling the, like the end of the story, but he's also like saying, this is the end for me also with this character. And I love the way he masters that. And to me, it was a very, very wonderful ending to the series. Um, but I mean, everybody reacts different ways. I mean, my, my oldest daughter reacted to the end of the game of Thrones a little bit differently. She's a little bit harsher. She likes to, (laughs) <laughs> she's a she's a product of the culture we live in and she like she likes to she likes to nitpick some certain things um but you know part of me tell i mean as old as i as i am now i get to the point where really you shouldn't take it so seriously <laughs> i mean it's it's great to be invested in something and love it and enjoy it and want it to be great but you know this is an escape for the most part. And, uh, if this is what upsets you, <laughs> you're, you then, you, then you're okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the biggest thing you have to complain about. But yeah, you have, I, a, uh, Oh, go ahead. 
I, I was gonna say I've I've especially in the last I don't know handful of years like you know w- once you get to the point where your time is more limited uh, and you just can't watch or read or whatever as much as you would like to or very little you know to to an ex- to some extent you know some people may be in a similar situation to you or I you know age wise child wise job wise whatever and you know, things just work out differently and they're able to do a lot more reading or watching or whatever. And, you know, like for me, my time has opened up, but there was a period of time where, I mean, I had almost no time to do anything for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that was, uh, that was when I just decided if I'm going to, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to go into it to enjoy it. So, you know, like superhero movies, for example, not every superhero movie is great. Uh, you could pick apart any superhero movie, but I enjoy superheroes enough that I decided, you know, whether it be Redbox or occasionally being lucky enough to go to the movie theater, if I go see a superhero movie or get to see one, I'm just going to look to enjoy it, whatever it is, you know, whether they do stuff right or wrong or whatever. Doesn't yeah. matter. I'm just going to go into the movie to enjoy it, like see what there is to enjoy about it. Um, you c- you kind of got to turn off a part of your brain. When you're trying to watch them, it's like, even, uh, let's bring up Star Wars. If I wanted to, I could really nitpick it to death, but, but I don't want to. I just want to enjoy the story. If you, if you focus on something, it's like, well, this could never happen. How does this happen? It's like, it's a science fiction story. It's made up. Get over that one little thing and just, look at the big part of the big story and enjoy it if you can and get on with it. Yeah. I, you know, I think there's just something about having perspective and having, having empathy, like, you know, understanding that, you know, you have your perspective, but there are other perspectives to things and being able to understand, look at stuff from a different perspective. Like just the, the cost of comics is a good example. You know, people complain about comics or whatever. And, right. um, ultimately the, the value of comics, when you look at how much time it takes to read a comic book mm-hmm. is awful. It's like the worst value in it, in entertainment, you know, getting a, a $10 trade paperback is immensely more valuable because you spend hours upon hours reading that. And you can get two and a half comics for that price that True. you could read, you know, easily within an hour. Yeah. Um, you know, and people make other arguments, of course, like, well, there's the visual art and stuff like that. It, it all depends on how you look at it, right? So, like, True. from just a, a dollar, a dollar versus time perspective, comics are awful. You know, movies are better, but movies even, like, if you talk about going, like, going to the movie theater, movies are pretty bad. Like, you know, you're spending 10 bucks for two hours. So you spend mm-hmm. five bucks an hour to, to watch a movie. Uh, video games are probably one of the best, especially if you don't get a game just when it's brand new. But like you can get a $20 video game and play it for like 50 hours or more. You know, I mean, there's just, it, it's all over the place, but it, what really it comes down to is what do you enjoy? Like, yeah. uh, if you get a ton of enjoyment over reading a comic for 20 or 30 minutes, like it, it, what's the quality of your time doing that? If you're getting that high quality for your time, that's what's most important. You know, whether you read it once or you, or you read it multiple times or whatever. Right. Um, you know, so for everybody, if, if you're not enjoying it, 
you know, make better use of your time and go put your time in, into enjoying something else. And I don't know if it's just a lot of people have a lot of time to do what they want to do. So it's really easy to, um, then complain about how you chose to spend your time, I guess. Something um, like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. Like I, I prefer to just enjoy stuff. So w- whatever we're going off on this big tangent here, but like Game of Thrones, however it ends, I'm going to enjoy watching it because I'm enjoying the road of watching it. Not just the, the final, you know, hour of the, the whole series or whatever. Very true. And speaking of, uh, you, so you have HBO now and I mentioned this to you the, the other day. Um, there's a show on HBO and you might not have time to get into it now. Maybe someday in the future you can. But I, I highly recommend it. Um, it's called Barry. Have you watched John the John Wick movies with Keanu Reeves? I've seen the first one. The first one. And he, he's like this badass assassin and, you know, he's hard to match, right? We'll take that and make Bill Hader from Saturday Night Live the equivalent of him. See, I think I'm going to try that with my wife because uh, my wife likes Bill Hader. Uh, so I think that, that might be an end to get her into it. And if she gets into it, then that's awesome because that means that I get to watch a lot of something that I like. <laughs> and enjoy it with her, yeah. It's 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 funny. There is some really, some ultra, like, really violent stuff happens. I mean, he's, he's an assassin. He kills people, right? Um, but it's Bill Hader. He's funny. But the thing is, something about comedic actors, I mean, you look at... Um, Robin Williams and other people like that. They are, they're super funny guys, but they have this ability to go deeper and transcend just trying to make a joke all the time. He's so good in this series. I just finished the second one with my wife. And this, this is really funny, but at the same time, he'll, it'll be really funny for five minutes and then it'll be just like heartbreaking for the next 10. It's that is it's such a good show for from my perspective that I encourage everybody to go out and watch that. And I really his acting chops are amazing. I never I remember I used to watch him on Saturday Night Live because we still watch that. We watch it every week. Um, my oldest daughter, he, she's a huge fan of Saturday Night Live. Um, so it's kind of the thing. It's a family fa- family time thing. And he used to be on and he, he had funny characters. He did things, but I never could have imagined that he had the range in him to pull off what he does in this show. The Fonz, Henry Winkler's in it. He uh-huh. is an amazing actor. Um, there's another guy, uh, plays a guy named Fuchs. I think his guy's name is Steve Poole. I might be wrong on that. He's one of those character actors that you've seen in several movies. Um, several TV shows probably that, but they're all, everybody in it is so good. Uh, and you know, he, uh, basically the guy is basically the premise is it's a, it's an Afghanistan war veteran that comes back to the States. This guy picks him up and puts him under his wing to try to help him out. And he's got this knack for killing 
and he makes him basically a hired assassin. He goes around the country, around the world, killing people. And at one point in the first season, he realizes, um, hey, I might want to be an actor. Acting's kind of cool, and I don't have to kill people. And it kind of goes from that. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny, but there's also, there's, there's heart to it that makes you, it's more than just a goof off, haha. It's more than just a ultra violent action thing. It's, there's a lot of different elements. That's what makes it, to me, a, a good show is able to encompass all kinds of ranges of things. When it, when it, like, talking about the Sopranos, Sopranos can be funny at times. And then other times it could make you just like, oh my God, that just happened. You know, that's what makes a show good or a book good or whatever, anything like that special. So yeah, if you get a chance and, and you might come back and say, I hate this show and that's fine with me, but, uh, I, I wanted to recommend that. Yeah, I definitely want to check that. I had actually seen other people mentioning that show, uh, before you had even mentioned it. So just seeing the variety of people mentioning it definitely piques my interest. I, and I brought, you know, like I said, I'm, I brought uh, up, my what? I'm sorry. I, I brought no, up, okay. uh, John Wick because Donnie Cates, uh, tweeted something about, let's see this movie, Barry versus John Wick, which <laughs> would be amazing because, yeah, I mean, you can just kind of go from there. I mean, if you can imagine, if you've seen John Wick and you haven't seen Barry and you, th- you want to see these two guys go against each other. It would be the, it would be nothing but 90 minutes of, <laughs> of, of action because they're both that good at what they do. I'm that's sorry awesome. to cut you off there. Uh, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, uh, I just, something else popped in my head too, that I'll get to in a second. But, um, as so my, my wife, uh, has been years ago now, but we both really like Deadwood. Yes. Uh, where we worked in California, we actually had a lot of the, the guys who were extras or had small speaking roles on Deadwood were regular customers. Oh, that's cool. Uh, so we knew them. That's why we started watching Deadwood, but we loved it. Um, and that, that was a show that, of course, like it could be funny and, and, you know, exciting and whatever, but it would definitely get real gritty sometimes. So I know that she's watched a show that can have that real gritty edge to it that she enjoyed. Uh, so I think with the fact that she does really like Bill Hader, um, we, the first time, I think the first time we got exposed to Bill Hader was in, uh, Hot Rod. Oh yeah. And we, God, we loved that movie for quite a while. Um, and oh, we yeah. saw some other movies with him. There was one that we saw called the Skeleton Twins, if I remember correctly. That was him. Yes. And uh, I believe another one of Chris the and cast. Yeah. And that was nothing like we expected, and we didn't care much for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it really was not what we expected. But uh, anyways, so I, I think that there is a chance of getting her into Barry, so I'm excited to give that a, a shot. Uh, the other thing I was just going to mention, we just watched this on Netflix tonight. Have you watched The Battered Bastards of Baseball? No. Sounds it's a documentary good. on Netflix, and... Uh, First of all, I love the fact that my wife has instigated us watching several documentaries on Netflix about baseball. She could care less about baseball. But uh, these have been very good documentaries. And this one, it's called The Battered Bastards of Baseball. And it is about uh, Kurt Russell's dad, actually, 
who he was an actor. He was enamored with baseball. And I mean, going back to when he was a kid before he was even an actor, um, he was enamored with baseball. He actually played, uh, somewhat briefly in the major leagues, but he was an actor. He was on like 137 episodes of Bonanza. I uh, did a lot of other stuff and you'll, you'll have to watch the documentary. I want to lay it all out, but he ends up starting uh, an, an independent minor league baseball team that uh, basically gets all the, like the outcasts and the riffraff of baseball. And oh, really? like I said, Kurt, Kurt Russell's his son. So it's like, yeah, that's already interesting. And then you find out all this other stuff that he did, you know, being on Bonanza for so long and all this other stuff. And you're like, this is, it's just crazy. Like, this almost seems made up. Like, all these things coming together like this. Um, super interesting, especially when it got to the part where, when they started getting publicity and getting national attention. Uh, do you know who Jim Bouton is? The name sounds very familiar. Jim Bouton was a pitcher. Uh, he pitched for the Yankees kind of at the end of their heyday in the like late 60s. Uh, so, I mean, he played with some of the legends of the Yankees. And he was a, a you know a legendary pitcher himself, I suppose. Um, he, when he got out, kind of out of baseball, this is before the, the point of, the, of, you know, this documentary... He wrote a book called Ball Four that hmm. got into the nitty gritty of stuff of baseball that people didn't really want to know existed. So it got him a lot of flack. And he ended up when this uh, minor league team started getting some publicity and he knew it existed, he actually wanted to join the team. Huh. So he went and joined the team too, which to me added a whole nother level, uh, to the, in the how interesting this documentary was. Cause I, I have read Ball Four. I knew who Jim Bouton was. I find him very interesting. Um, so to like see him get tied into this too, it's just like all these different interesting pieces getting woven together. Uh, so whether you like baseball or not, it's a very interesting documentary and very entertaining. Um, so I, I, I recommend checking that out. Yeah, that uh, documentary sounds really good. I'll have to check that out. I, and I love documentaries. It's And Netflix has a lot of them. It's just, you know, it's hard to know what wants us to to watch. Um, but you mentioned, um, you brought up Deadwood. Did you bring up the fact that HBO is about to release the Deadwood movie? to kind Because the series kind of ended without ending. Yeah, it ended sort of abruptly. Like, I remember watching it with my wife, and that was back in the days when Netflix was primarily, you would select your movie and they'd send you a disc in the mail. Yeah. Uh, so we watched the first two seasons, and then uh, we we're excited about the third season, and it kind of quickly petered off. I, I think they, they ended it early. I I don't remember that for positive. But I'm pretty sure like uh, it wasn't how it was supposed to end. Um, I, I so yeah, we so. we did hear about this Deadwood movie. It's actually I believe it's coming out on the 31st. So yeah. it's a, we're a, a week away from it coming out. But uh, I'm I'm pretty excited about that, uh, and my wife is as well. We both liked Deadwood quite a bit. Um, I don't think any other show quite measured up to Deadwood during that time for us. Yeah. And the, it's another one of those store, those shows that one, the, the power of the writing shows in it. 
and just the characters are so strong. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's another, and it's another one where you get invested in a, is it, is a Wild Bill Hickok in the first season? That's such a primary character. And then he's just gone. Kind of, and that kind of, that's kind of, you know, everybody was so startled when Game of Thrones killed off Ned Stark. Sorry, sorry everybody for spoiling an eight year old show, but that's what happens in that. And, And then you're investing so much into this one character who's so good, but, that he's gone all of a sudden the aftermath of it is just as engaging yeah that's one of those i i I watched i think all of it my wife hasn't watched it so i'm gonna try to get her into watching it and then get her to watch because it's perfect timing we can watch it it's not that many uh episodes i don't think like you said and uh then when the movie comes out because timothy oliphant is a as a actor, my wife and I both like, we watched the TV series justified, which is more of a, just kind of a pop, uh, culture detective, uh, police story, but it's set in the South and it's, it's really, really good. So yeah, it's, it's like a, a regular cable show, right? Like not a network show, but like cable, but not HBO level shows. It's like right. kind of in between. Like, I don't remember if it was AMC or something like that, but it, yeah, it's a regular. It, yeah. But yeah, I mean, the, the you haven't mentioned the best person on Deadwood. Swearingen. Swearingen. Fantastic. Yeah. He, uh, he was actually, until we hit a, a certain scene about halfway through Hot Rod, I don't think either of us liked that movie at all. But you just can't not like Ian McShane. And then we hit that. There's this one scene that just kind of unlocked the humor of Hot Rod for us and made us love the movie beginning to end. But uh, Ian McShane was in Hot Rod. Anything he's in, like, he is just so good. Always so good. He's always so compelling. So, well, to tie everything together, and I don't think you've got to this part of Game of Thrones, but he's in Game of Thrones. So you get to enjoy think, him a I little think bit I more. I knew that, but yeah, I'm a ways off. You know that uh, Aaron Rodgers is uh, is in it in the yeah. last season. <laughs> yeah, he, he, yeah, he very, he definitely is. He definitely yeah, is in it. Leave it at that. I'll, I'll find that out in a while. But <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, you got you to watch closely. Ed Sheeran is in it. <laughs> That's one of those weird things that threw me off. Is when they stick people that everybody knows. I don't know if you yeah, know it, Ed Sheeran. It's a show. That, I, I do know who he is. Yeah, it's a show that's really easy to do that with because people won't really look like themselves in it. You know, I mean, uh-huh. just the the whole, you know, the costuming and everything. It's really easy to to not tell, not know what you're looking at, basically. You know, but uh, but yeah. So I, I'm I'm excited about Game of Thrones. I'm actually probably going to watch an episode uh, as soon as we wrap up here in a minute before it gets too late. Uh, excited about that. Like he got me hyped up about watching Deadwood again now, and then watching that movie. And uh, I want to watch Barry. And I got too much stuff to watch. All of a sudden, I still got to get back stuff. to watching. Uh, uh, gosh, I don't even think we've talked about this since we've rebooted. But uh, I've got plenty of um, uh, Tales of Zadoichi to watch. I've yeah. <laughs> still got a handful yeah. of other. I got Lady Snowblood. Um, so quite a few Criterion movies, and this is kind of present on my mind because it's still a little ways off, but, uh, my birthday's in July, 
uh, and Christmas so happens to be in December. Uh, and Barnes Noble has a sale on Criterion movies, 50% yes, off yep. in July. And in, I want to say it's in November, so like right before Christmas. So, uh, last year I had intended for my birthday to get myself a Criterion movie or two. And then I just, I didn't have the money. I mean, I, you know, got myself other things here and there, but just the money wasn't there for me to, to do it. So I said, whatever, I put it off. And then, um, then I discovered Filmstruck and I was like, oh, what do I even need this for? I got Filmstruck and then it, it folded. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, then we come around to the, that, uh, you know, Christmas time of year sale. And that was when I got the, the box set of the Zadoichi movies, which is like 26 movies. And, uh, the, the cover price for it is $200, but I oh, got it yeah. 50% off and then another 10% off because I had a Barnes Noble membership. So I got it for $90. Got some other movies. Um, but yeah, so that, that's kind of going to be a thing for me now for my birthday. I'll buy myself a movie or maybe two. And then for Christmas, I'll buy myself a movie or two when they're having that sales. So I can slowly build my criterion library of the, uh, I mean, really that what I'm targeting is like kind of the classic samurai movies. I'm trying to branch out a little bit more. I did get down by law because I haven't seen it in years, but I know Jim Jarmusch is a, oh yeah. You know, uh, obviously an influential director, but it has Tom Waits in it. And that's, that's a selling yeah, point. Th- that's a, that's a great movie. And the Criterion movies themselves, I, I got into them when I was working at Barnes and Noble because of the, of the big sale that we had and just the extras. I mean, that you get with it. I mean, the, their packaging is immaculate. The artwork that comes with it's great. And then all the extras. I mean, you'll get documentaries about the story how is made about the this what's going on uh just really good stuff and jim jarmusch uh apparently uh, the con can film festival just happened and he's got a new movie out it's a zombie movie <laughs> that uh is supposed to be pretty good i listened to an interview with uh, one of the uh, chloe savagny i think i said her name right is in it and talking about it uh bill murray's in it so that right there, it's already hooked me, uh, and Jim Jarmusch made it. So yeah, yeah, lots of good stuff like that. There's always so much good out there. I mean, it's like, don't waste your time on anything that's not, that you don't enjoy. There's, there's something out there that you can find that's good. Exactly. It's just so much. Yeah. It's, uh, but, but before we started recording, I had mentioned that I was playing a video game before we started talking. He asked me what, and I'm still playing Madden 19. Because I'm just, I am completely hooked on the the Madden Ultimate team that I'm playing. But I know that that time will wrap up at some point, and then I'll move on to other stuff. But I was telling you, I had all these other video games that I had gotten that I was feeling stressed out. Like, oh, I got to play these. I got to play these because I paid money for them. And mm-hmm. I finally said, you know what? Screw it. I went and traded them all in at GameStop, got cash for them, got a pretty decent chunk back of what I paid because I'm usually pretty uh, pretty good at getting good deals on stuff. Um, yeah, I just, I realized like, you know, why am I going to stress out about playing this other game when, Hey, I'm playing what I want to play and I'll, I'll get what I want to get in the future when I'm done with this one. So it's like that with it, with anything, you know, don't, uh, don't burden yourself with stuff that isn't enjoyable when there's so much out there to be enjoyed. And uh, I think that's true. We'll use this as a good place uh, to wrap up. And you can find me on Twitter at Who's Paul. You can find Sparky on Twitter at MD Sparkman. Um, do we have anything else to tell people about here, Sparky? 
Um, I don't know. You want to bring up um a certain podcast that's about to start? Start. Yeah, we, we big... got a potential news show joining us on our on our stream. We'll just leave it at that right now until they they yeah. have something out. I guess because all yeah. I really know is the is well, the synopsis can, of what they're planning. <laughs> you actually, you can go and listen to the. Uh, there's an announcement episode. Oh, good. Describing there, what the show up. is. Yeah, he's uh our our buddy Joey Galvez is starting a podcast called The Big Two, focused on um. Well, I'm not going to explain what it is. It's about Marvel and DC, the big two, of course. And uh, you can go find it on I- iTunes right now. Um, I think it's on Pocket Cast. It's on uh, Spotify. And uh, he's released like a three-minute kind of teaser episode, an introduction to what the show is, like an issue zero, kind of kind of him telling what it's about. And he's working on it. And, uh, yeah, it sounds interesting. Awesome. So yeah, so check that out. And uh, until next time, while Sparky finishes up mowing down and bailing some hay, yep, we'll uh, we'll have to refuel for some more topics to talk about for next time. Oh yeah, that's easy. <laughs> All right. Until next time, don't spoil Game of Thrones for me. No, do not do that. We'll talk to you next time. Adios. That wasn't terrible. That was pathetic. Boom.